listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians 2, and we're going to continue on in our series here, and we're finishing up chapter 2 today. We've, we've taken quite a while to get through it, but the great thing about God's Word, and I just thank you for the privilege and the honor to be able to weekly be able to work in and through, in, in God's Word in this way to prepare for you, I trust uh, a message from the Lord that will challenge and encourage your hearts and will also transform our lives. You know, we live in such a crazy world, crazy mixed up world. I mean, I, I kind of got caught off guard. I don't know if I was half asleep or just what. I wasn't really fully aware of this whole boxing match that just took place yesterday. I became a little more aware of it just in the last few days when I realized that the purse for this boxing match was $300 million and that one of the guys was guaranteed $180 million from this fight, the other guy was going to clean up with the rest. I mean, not very much, you know, 120 or something like that million for him. And, 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 and this is just the start of, of just some of the craziness. I saw a picture of the Las Vegas airport and all of these uh, private airplanes and jets that all had flown in for, for this big fight, you know, and... The fight started and I went to bed. I figured I, I, I don't really care about this. And this morning woke up to find out who won and, and, and various things like that. And, and, and we get obsessed and we follow these things. I guess the game was delayed. It was delayed uh, or, or the, the match was delayed uh, by 30 minutes because so many people were, were piling on to the pay-per-view service around the world that it got over overworked. And so they had to delay because it was like, oh my... Too many people are willing to pay a hundred bucks for to be able to watch this game live, you know, and uh, or this match live. And uh, anyways, just a crazy kind of. I mean, I'm just blown away by that kind of thing. And 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 then it doesn't take very long. I mean, that's a boxing match, and it's the the fight of the century apparently, or everything. But even when it comes to social media, and, and so many people today, I mean, we're on social media. It's a way that news gets, gets put out there. I mean, it was social media that we found out yesterday that another royal was born just recently. And apparently her middle name is really good. Um, Charlotte, my wife's name. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it was through Twitter and Facebook that they released all of this kind of news. And, and, and yet it's so crazy. The top person, I, I went and looked a little bit this week, the, the, the top person on Twitter who is followed by the most people is followed by 69 million people. And that person is Katy Perry. Katy Perry is a singer who at uh, just a young teenage age, she prayed and asked the Lord to uh, well endow her. And apparently he did that. Um, she lost her virginity at age 16 in the front seat of a car while the music, uh, while a song by the name of Grace was being played um, in the vehicle. She released a song a few years back uh, called I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It. And it went right away to the number one uh, top of the chart. She's won Grammy Awards. She believes in aliens. She's been divorced. All of this at the age of 30 and 60, 69 million people in our world follow her. 
interesting, the people we follow. Justin Bieber is second with uh, 63. Yay, Canada! Uh, yeah, right. And um, he's followed by 63 million people, President Obama by 58 million people. And you just kind of see this. Facebook, same thing. Uh, I mean, Ronaldo, the soccer player, just ended up getting um, elevated into the fan page with the most likes. Harvest Kelowna has 300 and some likes. And um, Shakira uh, is followed that by in second place. And Instagram, I just by this time, I didn't even bother trying to figure out who, who these people were, except that I know the Kardashian sisters are somewhere up there pretty high in Instagram. Sadly... Rarely, though, however, with all of these people that we follow and we, 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 we look at on Twitter and we hear all this news about them, the ones who are, in a sense, setting a trend or kind of that, that people are following, whether it be culture, music, kind of sort of making certain statements on society, in society, the sad thing is that it very rarely does a week go by that we hear that another one of these high-profile people, whether it be sports, rock, music, um, movie stars are heading into treatment or are divorcing or are getting arrested or are sadly even worse taking their own lives having it all having people follow them yet finding no reason to live these people who have it all in our society and are influencing society are being followed and it seems to a pit of destruction in so many ways I wonder today who are you following who are you following? I mean, who are you patterning your life after? We're all doing it. We're all following someone or something or whether it's society and media and different things about telling us how we should look and how we should dress and what, sh what we should do and, and, and the cool things, what's cool, what's not. God's word calls us, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But it will happen if we don't take serious steps in not allowing that to take place. Instead, we are to be conformed by the Word of God and transformed by the Spirit of God. You hear that statement um, from time to time, you are what you eat. Yeah, isn't that true? Um, I, I kind of like that picture of you eat enough ice cream cones, you will end up looking like an ice cream cone. Or, you know, maybe even the other way, you eat too many veggies, and this could start to happen to you. And, and it might be a little Photoshop, but I have heard of, of Charlotte had in school growing up, there's one of the, the boys in her class, I don't know if she was in grade three or four, uh, she remembers telling the story that one of the boys didn't come to school for a little while because they bought a juicer, and the parents went crazy on carrot juice, and, uh, and, and so he wasn't physically able to come to school for a little while because of that carrot juice and what it was doing to his system, and when he did come to school, he was orange. And, and you know, even a lot of a good thing can not necessarily be the best thing for you. So I wonder today, who's influencing you? I mean, food aside and different things like that, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you spending your time doing? What are you watching? I mean, yes, you are in church, and so that's a good thing. And, and, and because you are in church, you might say, I'm following Jesus. You know, that's a good answer. Or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live by, by the word of God. Again, that is so good. Do you have some healthy, some good role models, some mentors in your life? I am so thankful for various people that I get to follow or some that I even get to sit down face to face with and, and have them build into my life. And, and uh, I mean, some of my, my heroes, if you want to say it, are, are people like, uh, I remember starting out in ministry just being so totally impressed with Billy Graham. 
and even before starting in ministry, and just the impact that that man in his ministry had on my life. It was a thrill to be able to see him in person, be at a, at a crusade in Saskatoon, and, and to be part of the counseling team, and just being close to this man who has just touched the lives of many people. Some others that I tend to follow, or am intrigued by, and, and love to listen to, or to read. Guys like Paul Tripp, Tim Keller, John Piper, Robbie Simons, the senior pastor of Harvest Oakville, just a godly man who I just love to to listen to and to hear uh, his love and passion for the Lord. I mean, these are just a, a, just a short list of godly men, godly women who um, have have impacted my life. I mean, people like the writings of Elizabeth Elliot just just I mean just have always appreciated her Johnny Erickson Tata I mean just some of the people some of you would know who I'm talking about some of you might go who um, doesn't matter I mean people who are influencing our lives for the things of God and the thing that we have to ask ourselves the people that we're looking up to the people that we're patterning our life after maybe in areas of business we we, we follow certain people because they're successful and it's a good idea to do that but be careful on that are these people that have a high view of scripture do they love Jesus those are so important when it comes to those role models those people that we are following in our life do they uh, are they reflecting the love of Jesus Christ I'm again Throughout my years, I've been able to seek out, and, and a lot of times they don't come finding me. I need to go finding them. Godly men, especially for me, that have been a, a great influence in my life that I'm able to sit down face to face. I have some of those here in Kelowna, and I'm so thankful for that. But ultimately, when it comes to who are we following, you're right, the answer needs to be Jesus. And we follow Jesus. But he's also given people in his word that we can follow. Some godly examples. And, and we've been looking a lot at the life of the Apostle Paul. Today we're not going to look so much at the Apostle Paul. We're going to look at two individuals that at the end of chapter 2... Here in, in the book of Philippians, he takes 11 verses. He goes, this goes counter Paul. He usually doesn't do this sort of a thing. But he's highlighting in 11 verses the lives of two men. And I believe these are men, these are believers that we can pattern our lives after. In reality, these men are beasts. And I mean that in a good sense of the word. That, that, you know, for, for some of you older folks, it's, it, it's kind of funny how you take kind of words that, that, that have a certain meaning and it actually has, uh, can sound like a bad meaning, but it's actually a good meaning. And these guys, there's no other way all week long. I'm just like, as I was studying this, these guys are just, just, just beasts when it comes to following God and, and, and calling, um, doing whatever it, it takes in order to, to do that. These men, these men made their one and their only lives count for Jesus Christ. The work, um, work of Christ, I mean, basically, we're going to look at today shouldering the load. Shouldering the load of ministry. Shouldering the load as followers of Christ. And so we're going to dig into the lives of these two men here this morning and take a look at the examples that they've set for us, examples that I believe we can follow. In fact, in verse 29, if you skip down there, you'll even see that Paul says, honor men like this. These are men you are to honor. And that also means that we are to follow their example. And so these are the types of people that we need to follow, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So just to give a little quick recap, and then we're going to look here at, at uh, chapter 2 and, and finish out this chapter. Paul is in prison in Rome. 
all right? He's writing to the church in Philippi, and we actually have a map of this just to help you understand kind of what's going on here. So if you could put that map up. We have, um, and Paul wants to get a message across to these people. He loves them. He is very um, interested in them. This was a church that he helped to plant along with Timothy and a few others, but um, so Paul is in prison over in Rome. So he's up in the top left-hand corner here, and he's writing to the church in Philippi. Just to give you perspective, Jerusalem is down over here. And so it was up over here at this point where he picked up Timothy. Timothy was from this area. They ended up going across here and, and planting, starting the church in Philippi. So Philippi to Rome was a little bit of a distance. It was about 1,300 kilometers, the same distance between Kelowna and Regina, approximately. So a little bit of a hike. And usually, I mean, to get a message across, you just couldn't FaceTime Twitter. You just couldn't send a quick email or even pop a letter in the mail. They had no postal service. It was on foot that they would send someone to, to take a message across. And so to be able to get from here to over to Rome meant the little, little uh, sail across the, you know, in the Mediterranean there. I mean, certainly very beautiful, I'm sure. But I mean, probably would take at least two weeks. And that was going pretty hard, going um, pr- pretty, you know, j- just keeping, keeping the, the pedal to the metal on the sandals. And so here they are, they're, they're, Paul's in prison in Rome, he's writing to this church in Philippi that he really loved, that he cared about, and what had happened is he's writing this letter and he's going to send it with Epaphroditus. We're going to get to him in a couple of moments. But we will also see that Timothy, the first person we're going to look at is Timothy, And we're going to see how he was there to work alongside of Paul. And he was there to help encourage and to start the church in Philippi. And look at verse 19 of Philippians chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be able to be cheered by the news of you. And so he's going to send this letter with Epaphroditus from Rome over to to Philippi, but hopefully soon, they're just kind of waiting, they're kind of thinking that something's going to come down regarding Paul and his future, and so they're just going to wait a little bit, and then he was going to send Timothy with a report on how Paul is doing, but Paul also wanted a report on how the church was going there. And so we have this going on, and he goes on in verse 20 to say, I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So shouldering the load... Shouldering the load of ministry means seeking the interest of others. Paul is saying about Timothy, he says, he said he genuinely cares for others. Here he is in Rome, caring for the needs of Paul. He is there to to help him along with whatever needs to be happening. Now, you think about this though. So Paul's in Rome and he's in prison. So you got that? There's also a church in Rome. Why isn't that church in Rome helping Paul? Well, a little earlier in the series, we see that there are some that Paul is talking about. He's talking about some who are preaching out of rivalry, and they're preaching out of envy. And so there are some believers in Rome, there's a church in Rome, but they don't seem to be wanting to help or care for Paul. The church in Philippi, that's so far away, ended up sending money to help Paul and to encourage him 
And the church in Rome wouldn't help out. Here they were, a church that could help out, but he goes on in verse 21. He says, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. That's quite a statement he's making about believers. That's a sad statement that he's making. They're just caring about themselves. They're just worried about their own interests and not that of Jesus Christ. Timothy, though, was living out the example of Philippians 2, verse 3, when Paul said, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others more significant than yourselves. Look out for the interests of others. Timothy was doing that. He was looking out for the interests of others. We have to ask ourselves that question. I believe God's word lends it to us even today to ask that question. Do I genuinely take an interest and a concern for others? For their well-being? Or am I just seeking my own interests? If it gets me some advantage, is that why I do certain things? When people talk to me, am I listening? This past week, I mean, one of the, I, I work in various offices throughout the city, various coffee shops, and depends what kind of mood I'm in or whoever I'm meeting, if they have a preference. It will be at sometimes at a Starbucks or a Tim Hortons, uh, sometimes McDonald's, I must admit, A&W. I mean, different places. And, and so I get, at times, kind of intrigued by different conversations and people that are going on. And sometimes they can be like white noise and I can get work done, and sometimes they're just downright distracting. But this past week, I saw these two ladies meet for the first time, and you could just kind of tell by their introductions and different things. And I watched this one lady, I mean, as she was doing a fair bit of the talking, and I watched this other lady that she was talking to. I was intrigued. In fact, I mean, it's probably a good thing that I was older and that maybe, and that she was definitely a lot older than me because it might have been a little awkward because I found myself staring at her a number of times because she was so intrigued and so much captured by everything this person was talking to. A part of me just wanted to almost go and start talking to her myself because I knew that she would be someone who would, she was taking that genuine interest in others. I have no clue what they were talking about, but the expression on her face, the eye contact she was making as the conversation went up and down, you could see her eyes go up and down, you could see her. I mean, she was just in, in the moment. And I thought, that is such a great example. When people are talking, do I take an interest in others or is it all about me? Is it about my agenda, about furthering, you know what, my wants or my plans? And, and, and if, you're no, if you're of no value to me, no interest in you. How are we when it comes to that? Next, I want to put a picture of a lady up on the screen, Henrietta Mears. Probably some of you would have no clue who I'm talking about. Um, influential woman. For the cause of Christ. She lived from 19 or 1890. She died in 1963. She was quite sickly as a teenager, have, having a number of kind of de debilitating kind of illnesses about her. And the other thing that she faced, when the doctors told her by the age of 30, you will be blind. And, um, but she didn't let that stop her. She was a school teacher. And as she loved students, she also had a love for the Word of God. And she was so concerned and so bothered that children were not having strong Bible curriculums in their Sunday school programs. And she was involved in her church in the Sunday school program. She started to write curriculums for children. And, and she believed that it was important to teach kids from the cradle to the grave that's old kids, to the grave, um, the word of God, and was so influential in starting an organization called Gospel Light Ministries. 
and she was incredibly influential. She influenced her ministry, impacted men like Billy Graham, Bill Bright, who founded Campus Crusade, or Jim Rayborn, who started Young Life. All of these men, their lives were deeply impacted through the ministry of this woman who had eye problems, who had health problems, who could have just sat by somewhere, and, and instead she shouldered the load. She, she took an interest in, in people's spiritual needs. Another person who she greatly impacted is Clarice Lutzer, my daughter. When she was five years old, our church in Alberta, we used the gospel light curriculum. And it was there one, as she was, I believe she was five years old, that when the call was given that day through the Bible teaching to receive Christ, Clarice gave her heart to Jesus Christ. And you kind of work it all the way back here to a faithful woman who served the Lord. Apart from Henrietta's great accomplishments and writing curriculum and having a passion for this, you can almost park that. Because the thing that set her apart and that made her so significant in the lives of people was this. They said that when she walked into the room, every person in that room had a feeling that she was basically saying to them through their body language and through what she would actually say to them is, where have you been? I have been looking for you all over. She took a genuine interest in others. And it was that whole aspect of caring for people along with the ministry that God gave her made her such an influential woman. Are we genuinely concerned about others? Or do we approach our conversations, our work for Christ, our work for our employers about just, I didn't get much out of that, didn't do much for me. Are we shouldering the load when it comes to genuinely caring for others? You're going to see, we're going to see, these guys are beasts that we're talking about, this Timothy and Epaphroditus, they're, they're pretty pretty top drawer kind of guys, and you'll see that they took a genuine interest in others. And what this pans out by the time we get to point number four or five, you're going to see how important this is. Paul is saying this guy, this Timothy, I mean, part of it is shouldering the load means you do whatever it takes. And, and Paul says in verse 22, he says, but you know Timothy, his proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served me, with, served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send to him, send him there to you soon, so I can see how, how it will go with me. I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will also come. So here he is saying, he's saying, I'm going to send Timothy, come check, check you out, but this is a guy who's shown his proven worth. Paul is saying, this is a guy who knows how to serve. He is willing to do whatever it takes. Here he is caring for, for Paul while he's in prison, but then he's also, Paul, all of a sudden one day, hey, Timothy, plans have changed. Instead of bringing me some food or doing whatever it is that, that's next on the agenda here in Rome, you're heading off to Philippi. And he's like, okay, I'll go to Philippi. Whatever it is that you need, Paul, I'm ready to do that. He was willing to do whatever it takes. Do you work for Christ in that same way with that same mentality? mentality. I'll do whatever it takes. Think about this past week in your life. Have you rolled up your sleeves in some sort of work or service for Jesus Christ? You say, well, I've been busy. Yeah, I know. We're all busy. Um, 
I have to earn a living and take care of my family. Yes, 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 you do. But you also have 24 hours a day, and you have in that time a lot of discretionary time. And in North America, we have this so out of control. And especially, I think, when it comes down to parents and, and, and for our children. And, and we will try to make sure that our children have everything and do everything and are involved in everything. And we're being run ragged and, and we're doing this. And it has no eternal value. It may have sportsmanship value. It may help to make them better citizens. It might uh, cause you a shorter period of of life because of the blood pressure that them playing their sports or different things may cause you from time to time. But no eternal value in, in so much of what we do. And then when it comes to the church or when it comes to ensuring our kids are spiritually being encouraged and, and, and are growing, that falls somewhere further down the list of priorities. Are you setting aside time to shoulder the load of ministry? As we learned in Harvest Essentials yesterday that if we are in Christ, He has gifted you. He has given each one of His children a gift or a number of spiritual gifts. And He says, use them. And one day we will give an account on how we use them or how we didn't use them. And we don't do it like, oh, I guess I better serve. We do it because, not because we have to, but because we get to. Because of the gospel and what Christ has done for us is, becomes our motivation to want to serve Him. So oftentimes in churches, and um, you hear this statistic, the 80-20 rule, that, that 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people. I pray, I believe, it's not so for Harvest Kelowna, but I pray that it will always, uh, will, will never be so of Harvest Kelowna in that way, that, that we will be people who are shouldering the load, doing whatever it takes, and this happens, I know, on a weekly basis. I'll get to that in a couple of moments. But I want you to know we have many entry-level positions available here at Harvest. Um, no devoted follower of Christ should be unemployed. We all, there's opportunities, whether it's here at Harvest or in other areas of ministry, to be able to do kingdom work, gospel work. There's plenty to do, plenty to be done. You say, well, no one's called me. You know what, it, it, Think about how you get your regular job. It's like, oh, I guess I should get a job now. Um, I'm just going to sit by my phone and wait for the phone to ring. And, and I hope I get called soon about a job because, you know, I, 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 I'd sure like to work. No. You take your... Our daughter, we saw that there's this market just down the street from our... Down the hill a little bit from where we live that's hiring. And, and we said, Clarice, that would be a great place for you to work this summer. She says, yeah, that's really good. And, and uh, so yesterday at the end of the day after she slept in... Uh, for, for quite a while and uh, was doing a number of other duties around the house at the end of the day. Charlotte said, hey, did you get your resume together? No. Well, that resume just isn't going to write itself, dear. You know, you got to get in there and you got to take that resume and you got to get it down there. They're just not going to, hello, is Clarice Lutzer there? We'd love to hire her. They don't even know who she is. So in the same way that when it comes to our work for Christ, get looking. Do some, some, some job hunting, if you want to say. And you can job hunt on our website. You can go and you can say, hey, I'd be interested in serving in this area and we would love to be able to help you out. You can talk to one of the leaders. No experience required for so much of what we offer here as far as your work for Christ. And, uh, and, and just speak to someone, to, to myself, and say, hey, I'd love to get involved. One of the things to do is find out what your spiritual gifts are. And we, we di we're covering that in Harvest Essentials yesterday. Nothing, um, I mean... Nothing gets done in God's kingdom just by hoping that it gets done. It takes willing servants. And I'm so humbled 
And so grateful when I see the team that works here Sunday after Sunday. But not just on Sundays, all throughout the week. There is a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of time. And we're going to talk about this in a couple of moments of, of just, you know what, this whatever it takes mentality. And I want to thank you for that, folks. It encourages me. It inspires me. And, and it is the way that the gospel goes forth when we shoulder the load in kingdom work. And so many of you, when we're driving home throughout the course of the week, we get talking about you. And it's just like we're so thankful for all that God has done, all that he's doing, and the people that he's gifted to this church and to this community. Even this morning, there was a big kind of, I mean, you get some guys kind of really scratching their heads. Not only was it early in the morning, but it, all of a sudden, it was, who washed the trailer this week? You go out afterwards and you take a look at that trailer. It is shiny. And it wasn't only cleaned. I mean, and see, we put something in an email a little while ago that, hey, we would love to see this. Um, the trailer could use a wash and, and that. Well, we don't know who did it. We don't know who hooked up to the trailer this past week. And we were asking a few people who we thought, no, I didn't do it. I didn't know anything. Either they're lying or someone else did it. And I don't think they'd be lying. And, and it, who washed the trailer? But they didn't just wash the trailer. They spray painted the whole hitch. The hitch, it was getting a little rusty and a little marked up. And it looks brand new. I even noticed afterwards the bottom at the, at, at the very uh, back behind the door, there was some rust. <laughs> Got it from Ontario. What do you expect, right? And, 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 and so it was starting, sorry. Um, it was starting to rust out. That got painted. I'm like, who did that? They even armor all the tires. I mean, it is one really smart looking. Like, who did that? I don't know. But boy, did that encourage the socks off. Well, Tom, I don't think, is wearing socks. His socks probably came off, you know. And uh, I mean, it was just, who did that? And it's an encouragement when, when people come alongside and shoulder the work of ministry together in that way. And it's such a good journey. Not easy journey, but a good journey. Thirdly, we see that shouldering the load of ministry is a partnership in the gospel. This is so important. This is a partnership in the gospel is, is the third part there. Serving the Lord does not simply mean slave labor, grunt labor, behind the scenes kind of work. Um, it means a partnership in the gospel. If you guys could just put that up there next, that'd be great. And so here we come to Epaphroditus. We've been talking about Timothy, but now, and we see these first two qualities in Epaphroditus. And in verse 25, it says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Okay, Epaphroditus, this guy is amazing in these verses that describe him here and what we find out about him. You have to remember the Roman prison system didn't have a laundry service, they didn't have a gym, and nor did they encourage or help inmates to get their college degree, very much like what we can have in our prison systems today. Instead, if you were in prison, you needed somebody to bring you food, they needed to bring you a fresh set of clothing every once in a while, maybe a blanket, a pillow, whatever it is. You were basically on your own. You're held in prison, and it's from outside sources that you are going to be cared for. If no one cares for you, you're going to literally rot in jail. And so, 
Paul was dependent on people to serve him, to come alongside. And so the Philippian church, not a rich church, out of their poverty we read, gave money. They sent it with Epaphroditus and just the way that they handled the systems and handled money there, Epaphroditus wouldn't have gone on his own. He would have gone with a number of others, but he was charged with carrying this amount of money. And so he's taken this money and somewhere along the journey or even after he gets to, to, to Rome to see Paul, he gets sick. More than likely he is sick. Maybe he got beat up. Maybe he got beaten to a pulp. We don't know for sure. All we know is that he was sick. He was almost near death. Paul was distressed because he's like, oh no, he came and did all this and I don't want him to die. We know that Paul at times was very anxious for the church. He worried about the church. These were people that he loved and he cared about. And so now Epaphroditus recovered. He was getting well enough. And so soon, soon as I'm done writing this letter, and he says, I'm going to send him off and, and you guys encourage him. You're getting, this guy is a beast. He is a soldier. He has given, it, given his all in this way. And, and so honor him and here we have Epaphroditus, though, described in some incredible ways. Let's look at the words used to describe Epaphroditus. This guy, we can learn so much for him, and this is where we're going to park it for the rest of the day, and then we're going to end, and we're going to give thanks for people like Epaphroditus. Look at the words that Paul uses. Underline these, I'd encourage you, in your Bibles or highlight them on your gadget in order to be able to, to remember these. In verse 25, first of all, he calls Epaphroditus my brother, meaning this guy was the real thing. This guy was a believer in Christ. He wasn't one that, that was kind of, you know, just out there. This guy was there, heart and soul. He was committed to Jesus Christ. He demonstrated his heart for service, but he also demonstrated his heart for Jesus Christ, that he was a follower of Christ. Paul calls him my brother. Next, he calls him a fellow worker. Paul was the public, the upfront, the mouthpiece kind of guy. Epaphroditus was a behind-the-scenes servant. Trusted with an important task, but it was behind the scenes. Yet Paul says, he's my fellow worker. Basically, he says, he's my partner. He's my co-worker. Arm in arm, we work together. Look at the next word that describes him, fellow soldier. Meaning that he's involved in the battle. Ephesians 6, Paul wrote, God wrote to us about the spiritual battle that we're in. And he said, here he is, Epaphroditus. He is a fellow soldier along with me. He's in this battle together. He's involved in this. We are two soldiers, Paul is saying, standing shoulder to shoulder, locking our shields together, swords drawn, ready to, to take on the enemy. He is a fellow worker. He is a soldier. He's been wounded in battle. He's kind of fell sick here, and now he's being sent home. But he's being sent home with distinction as someone who's given it his all. Honor this man. Give him a hero's welcome, he's telling them. Okay, now it even gets better. Look at the next words that... that describe him in verse 25 your messenger and minister those are two powerful statements that he makes about Epaphroditus messenger literally means apostle now this isn't used in the apostolic sense as one who witnessed the resurrection and had been commissioned to preach but this was a designation put upon him that deserved dignity this guy was in there he was he was doing the work of an apostle, to carrying a bag of money, about being faithful, doing whatever it takes, taking an interest in others. Minister, that word there means, denotes some kind of priestly service. Folks, here's the deal on this. Pay attention to this. Epaphroditus never preached a sermon. 
He had no public ministry. He never pastored a church like young Timothy ended up pastoring a church later on in his life. He, he, he didn't plant a church. He was not an elder in the church. We don't know anything else about him. And yet, he faithfully discharged the work that, that he was asked to do. In taking this gift of money, he followed through with it. And li- listen to these words that describe him. Brother, fellow worker, soldier, apostle, minister. Like Timothy, he shows genuine care. Look at in verse 26. He says, he was distressed. Not because he was sick. Oh no, I'm going to die. He wasn't worried about that. It was, oh no. The people, because more than likely some that traveled with Epaphroditus ended up going back. And so the news got back to the church in Philippi that Epaphroditus was sick and was probably going to die, you know, and, and wasn't doing too well. So Epaphroditus was distressed, was concerned that the church was going to be all stressed out and concerned in his family that he was going to die. And so it distressed him knowing that others were distressed. There's a guy who cares for others, not for himself. He was willing to do whatever it took. He was willing to go along a dangerous road trip to take care of the needs of Paul. You see, to serve in some unnoticed, unrecognized place in the body of Christ is much of the work of Christ as public ministry is what I do here or what the people do on the stage. All necessary, all important. And it is with humble, pursuing hearts, not for our glory, but for God's glory, being willing to do whatever it takes. God uses, God honors that. You know, Charlotte and I, in in our family life, um, as kids growing up, we, Charlotte's observed a number of times a very big distinction between our families. Both of us were brought up in, 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 in very strong Christian homes that we're very thankful for. We had similar upbringings, but yet we were incredibly different. My parents were involved for many years in upfront areas of Christian ministry and Christian service. My dad was an elder in the church. My mom led ladies' Bible studies. And, and then my dad also was a director of a, of a Christian organization here in Canada and and had influences into the United States. And, and my mom would speak at ladies' retreats and ladies' rallies. And, and our family would travel from time to time. It was really cheesy. I was trying to find a picture. You guys would have a, have a little chuckle over it. But um, because there were six kids in our family, people kind of go, ooh, you know, six kids. And, and that's pretty cool. And somewhat musical. I'm saying somewhat because I wasn't the, uh, I, I was the part that wasn't. And, and so we would travel and speak at family camps sometimes and, and churches and, and, and go to some weekend kind of um, church rallies and that and and my parents would be involved in speaking and um, my siblings more than me I mean I played guitar kind of it was bad but um, we we would do some of the music and and do some special music kind of thing and so very upfront kind of ministry sort of thing and and uh, and and so this upfront service for God Charlotte's parents on the other hand have always been behind the scenes kind of people from the small country church that, that, they, that she grew up in just outside of Saskatoon, working as caretakers, volunteer caretakers within the church, just being willing to do whatever it would take, whether it was teaching children Sunday school and ushering. Oftentimes you can find them even still in their church. 
cleaning up at, at, at the end of events, working, involved in the kitchen, providing meals, working at Christian camps, doing maintenance and cooking and, and caring very much for the pastors in their church. And, and whether they lived in the city or the country, even currently, they grow this massive garden in, their, in the city. They have this huge pie-shaped lot where this uh, fantastically huge, probably if you went from this corner to this corner, would, would take up the garden that they have in the city. Then on their farm property, they put in another garden that is almost an acre in size and they love gardening they enjoy doing it but why do they do it they want to bless others they give to 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 family to friends to neighbors to pastors to christian organizations and that 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 feed uh some of the homeless and 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 those who are in need in in the city of saskatoon and and they do this kind of out of joy they, they do it out of a love for for people behind the scenes kind of thing you'd never see my father-in-law up here speaking on a Sunday morning or taking an offering or doing anything. But he did build this cross for us when they came out. I said, Jack, I need you to build a cross. And it can't be a cheesy looking cross like some churches have. We need to have a really nice looking one and it's got to be portable. And he, I mean, he stressed over that thing and he was drawing up plans and then he got working on it. And we've got, I think, one of the sweetest uh, sweetest crosses that any church plant has, has been, ever been able to use. Using his giftings, using his abilities to bless others. It's interesting even how they've cared over the years for their pastors. In fact, they would oftentimes and still do prepare a, a veggie box for their, their pastors. Um, and when I was in Saskatoon, young single guy, um, as a youth pastor, I got a phone call from Charlotte's mom one day. They were just starting to attend the church and she said, Hello, Meldon, would you like... Uh, some vegetables, a box of, of fresh vegetables from our garden. I'm like, yeah, sure, that'd be great. They said, okay, we'll bring it by in a little bit. Little did I know that the person who brought it by was their very single and very gorgeous daughter. And uh, I'll never forget, she came into my office. Her, she blushed a little bit. I was blushing a little bit. And, uh, and, and uh, I'll never forget, she was wearing this red pair of jeans. And they won't forget those jeans because when she put the box down, she had a big red splat here from one of the tomatoes that went splat. And so I was talking to her and I kept looking down at this splat, not sure if I should tell her anything, and I didn't. And she gets back to the car afterwards and like, oh, oh, man, I never, I'll never have a chance with this guy. I mean, just look at this mess that I am, you know. And I just thought it was so cute that she splatted tomato stuff all over her, you know. And, and I guess you could say they took very good care of their youth pastor because I ended up marrying their daughter. And, uh, you know, and, and yet I'm thankful for people like that who are willing to shoulder the load, to do whatever. This is a partnership in the gospel, the behind-the-scenes kind of work that happens. And I think of all the work that goes on to bring us to this point each week. Hours upon hours, not just on a Sunday, but manpower, woman power, hours even throughout the week in, in countless hours and meetings and practices and, and, and prayer and offerings being counted. I mean, the offerings get counted. It, it, it's done by a, a group of people. It ends up getting tallied. I don't even know how it actually works out because I have nothing to do with that aspect. And it gets uploaded to our, to the, to our sending churches. They take care of, of kind of the big issues there and everything gets uploaded to them by the time we walk out of here on a Sunday afternoon 
Uh, just, I mean, that aspect that most of you don't even know is going on. I mean, people who, I mean, work and serve and harvest kids, lessons prepared, printed, scheduling made up, people who are in there loving our kids week after week, the band, they just don't show up on a Sunday morning and say, hey, let's do this song. There's prayer, there's work that goes into this. They practice, and they practice, uh, I mean, trying new things, experimenting, working together, how the Lord has brought them together. We're so thankful the technical work that happens that, that makes me sound half-decent and means that I don't have to yell hard and makes them sound fantastic. And, you know, the setup, the take down the trailer pickup we have a guy who goes Saturday nights and picks up the trailer brings it here to the school then it gets taken there at the end of the day on Sunday I mean the welcome team scheduling and and um, sermons getting uploaded to the art to the website projects worked on throughout the week that people are involved in it humbles me when I think of of the work that gets done it humbles me at the end of the day on a Sunday when I see gentlemen I see even some of our women that are Pushing 80, and I think one of them is even over 80, who's folding up tables and is involved in, in doing their work, helping in shouldering the load of ministry, doing whatever it takes. This is a partnership in the gospel. This is important. There's no little jobs when it comes to serving God, whether it's here or when it's in, done in the name of Jesus Christ. If it's giving a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus Christ, it's being done for him, not for your glory, but for his. And we do it with the love of Christ and looking for opportunities to share the word of Christ with people. This is all a partnership in the gospel. And you know what the end result of this is? This is the amazing part. Shouldering the load of ministry means we develop the mind of Christ. This is how this whole sermon series we've been talking about is is about developing the mind of Christ. And sometimes I think we just all said one day we're just going to wake up and we're going to be holy. And we're going to have the mind of Christ and we're just going to have amazing thoughts all day and not have any bad thoughts at all throughout the day. And, and people are just going to love us and we're going to talk about Jesus and they're going to repent right before us and, and, and we're just going to have this victory and, and, and our lives and our, our marriages and our family life and our children will just say, what do you want us to do today, Father? And we just love them. And, and we have this, this weird, crazy idea that one day we're going to wake up holy. No. It happens we, as we shoulder the load. As, and and we're, not doing, we're not working our way to receive the mind of Christ. It's because of what Christ has done, because of the gospel. It's the motivator. And it is the reason why we do this. And so, so because of what Christ has done, that he has come to seek our interest. That he was willing to do whatever it would take. That he gave us the gospel so we could partner with him. And as we do this, the mind of Christ is developed in us. I mean, just, you look at these verses, this is just kind of mind-blowing, and, and I hope you can catch this here. This, I mean, when I got this this week, it was just, oh God, you knew what you were doing when you were writing this book, that's for sure. Because it just makes so much sense. We see these examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus today, who were developing the mind of Christ. Epaphroditus, especially we see here, was like Christ in his lack of, self-interest and his focus on others. And what did Paul tell us in, in verse 3? He says, in humility, consider others more significant than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but to the interests of others, Paul said. Epaphroditus was living this out. This is living out the gospel. The gospel had personally affected him in such a powerful way that he gave himself to selfless service. And for time and for eternity, he's been honored. He's honored in the pages of God's word. Single talent, Epaphroditus, was like Christ. When Paul said in verse 30 that he nearly died, now catch this, 
In verse 30, it talks about how he nearly died to the point, to the point of death that he almost died is the same phrase that is used in verse 8 when he describes that Christ died. Epaphroditus' near death echoes Christ's real death for us. That Epaphroditus was willing to take up his cross and it was going to follow Christ. He had the mind of Christ. We honor people like this. God honors people like this. And you know what he does? God gives them joy in the midst of the selfless service. Sometimes, oftentimes, selfish, selflessness will lead to suffering, though. Just because you follow Christ, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But even in and through that, it will lead to joy. I am sure I would love to be able to inter interview Epaphroditus someday in, in eternity and be able to ask him, what was it like getting back to Philippi? Not the accolades and everything, you know, as you handed them the letter and they're like, we're so happy to, hear, to see you again. How was it? Tell us about Paul. It was that night when he put his head back down on his own pillow and he laid there in bed and no doubt just the joy that he had knowing that he was being used of God and he was in faithful service for God. There is a joy, there's an ecstasy that that brings that nothing on this earth will ever bring. Not even winning $180 million in a boxing match. Won't even come close to that. There's joy in selfless service. Throughout chapter 2, Paul made great pains to get the Philippians outside of themselves. To think of others, to think of Christ and his sacrifice, and, and calling them not to grumble, not to complain. These are people today that we can follow. Paul said at one point in 1 Corinthians, he says, follow my example as I follow Christ. You know what, I love it that God gives us some other examples as well to be able to follow Timothy and Epaphroditus. And God has no doubt brought people in your life. Learn from them. Learn from their mistakes as well as learn from their example. This, my dear friends, this is the path to joy. This is how the mind of Christ gets developed. Nate and I, this morning as we were um, coming to church, we heard this statement on the radio. It was, if you were worth dying for, Christ is worth living for. Amen? And you were worth dying for. And Christ is worth living for. Let's worship him today as Jesus, the Son of God. Father, we come to you and we come now in worship, in thanksgiving. But I pray that we also come in surrender and say, okay, God, I want to surrender myself to you. Pray for anyone here who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ, you, you give hope and peace and joy that this world can never know. Our sins forgiven, our eternity secure, but until that time, the opportunity to work and to serve you. And in the midst of that, a joy that nothing can compare to in this world. And it comes through selfless service. Lord, I pray that we would just all, even this week, look at ways that we can lose ourselves in a greater way. That we wouldn't walk with a swagger, but instead, we would pick up our cross and we're going to stumble and fall but we're going to be forgiven as we repent and we make that right before you and others and we keep going thank you for these men in God's word that we can look to and 
pay honor to. And Lord, I praise and thank you for the men and women that serve you here in this way. Encourage them and fill them with your joy through blessing as well as through periods and seasons of suffering and difficulty. May we have humble hearts pursuing you more and more, knowing that in the end it's going to be worth it. But even now you fill us with joy. And I thank you for the humble servants. Thank you for the giftings that you've given to people here. What a joy it is to stand shoulder to shoulder with these soldiers, brothers, fellow workers in the work of God. And now we worship you, Jesus. Let's stand together as we worship him.